Did I hang in there? That's Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? I have a conversation with a champion to share with you. He's rocketing up the Ryder Cup rankings. He just won in Detroit. And most importantly, he's my partner, Ricky Fowler. We talked about everything from the spring break crew rescuing him from the golf boys to what was going through his mind when his birdie putt dropped on the first playoff hole at the Rocket Mortgage. So let's get to it. Here's Rick. All right, got my good buddy Ricky Fowler joining us, coming off a win at the Rocket Mortgage. Man, it was an incredible week, but uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit, Rick. But I'm just happy that that JT Jordan and I were able to save you from the golf boys. It says a lot about yourself is that you're you're so versatile that you can fit into two groups. But I kind of want to know a little bit more about the golf boys. Like, how in the heck did that like come about? Uh, so it was very random. Um, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I can't remember exactly the year, but one of the first years that I was in the match play that used to be played in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And it was so obviously Ben Crane, Baba, um, myself. And I don't think Hunter was there with us, but this whole thing came about. Ben Crane was doing the kind of workout spoof videos with Snake Shaker and Sled good and all that stuff, <laughs> which I mean, if anyone needs a good laugh and whether you know golf or not, um, those those Ben Crane workout videos back in the day were it was were the best golf. thing on the internet, man. It was unreal. Like how he would so swim kinda, out in the pond to see the the green surfaces in yeah. the morning. That was that was a good. It was one too. a little bit of I would say like a spinoff of that. So in a way, um, between Ben and Bubba, um, I got thrown in there as like the token young kid, and then somehow we drug. Hunter Mahan into it. Uh, <laughs> so the concept started there. And then I can't remember the exact date where it all worked out to where we could all go in um, to basically meet up at Ben's house at Vicaro and spend, I think we spent two days. Um, two days shooting all that? Well, we, you know, being recording artists, you know, we had to go in the studio <laughs> and, you know, record our vocals. <laughs> and then the next day was basically shooting the video. Just yeah, you even you probably haven't sung karaoke since. <laughs> That's probably your one and only, for the most part. Yeah, because I, I know I know what I'm good at and what I'm not, and singing and dancing <laughs> are at the bottom of the list. I've seen you sing and dance. It's it's once you get there, it's epic. <laughs> we I, just don't get I, you there a whole lot. <laughs> I have to be around the right people. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. I've I've seen it, uh, especially on spring break. Uh, seen that a time or two. And I mean, what's your overall thoughts of just that whole trip in general and, and kind of what it's morphed into? Like I was on Twitter yesterday and uh, it, you guys are grouped into SB2. It's always going to be something that people remember. And it at the time it was it was your Snapchat uh, that was was I mean, I don't know how many followers you probably had on Snapchat at that time but you were definitely tagging me and I probably went from, I don't think anybody knew how I was even after I'd won on PGA tour at that point until you started tagging me in your Snapchats and stuff. And it was like, Oh my God, I left that, that week. And it was like, nobody knew how I was. And it's like, all right, we're, we went from D list celebrity to like 
we're like B minus now or C plus, which is sick. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, we all went on that trip. We were obviously just going to, to have a good time and go play some golf, drink, stay safe, but have a darn good time. But it morphed um, into more than that, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of, I, I threw it out there. I was like, hey, do you guys care if we put out a, you know, little video here or there and the that response, turned into a lot more videos <laughs> well it was more it was more just because the response and people loved it and thought it was amazing and so we kind of just rolled with it from there um nothing was planned um and i think that's that's the best stuff is we we went there not going to you know have a crew following us or like no. content or anything like that it was just like Hey, here's a, a glimpse into what we're doing, whether you're watching or not, or if there's a camera around, like this is the four of us just on a guy's getaway trip. And yeah, like I said, I think that response of that first day when we put out a couple of videos, people just wanted more. So mm -hmm. yeah, we, we went with it. It was kind of like the day and age, like now everybody's trying to capture content. All you hear the word, the content word, it's kind of a cringe word, but yeah, I guess we were doing it without even realizing we were, we were content creators. At the time. Yeah, it was <laughs> didn't just, even it know was it. Just, uh, it was organic. I mean, like we said, we didn't schedule it out or plan it out or like, you know, stage stuff. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, other than maybe, you know, someone laying down on the tee while someone was hitting, but yeah, we were just goofing off, having a good time. Um, it was it was all one takes. It wasn't like we, oh, let's let's redo that so we can get a better shot. It was just <laughs> we're gonna roll through, and what happens happens. <laughs> one of my favorite memories from that from that trip was you and I were in the range cart, and oh, yeah. you were driving us around, and JT and Jordan were just ripping three irons at us. Yeah. And then, you know, I used to always hit three irons at the cart guy that was picking up the balls. You know, that that's just part of growing up as a kid is hitting the, the range picker upper until you have pros that can reach, you know, one forty ball speed with a three iron stinger. Then you have a different perspective of driving that thing around and getting smoked. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it gets loud in there. <laughs> it was a good time, man. Uh, well, you know, before that you and I had played together, on the PGA tour, we played together at Kapalua, um, in Phoenix. And I remember getting the text message. So this was right before we went, um, on spring break, a couple months later, um, I get the text that I'm being paired with you at Phoenix. And that was my welcome to the PGA tour moment where it's like, Oh shit, this is going to be, I think when people think of Phoenix, they think of, um, the atmosphere. And they also like, will associate some players to it as well. Like yourself who has embraced the atmosphere. And I also need to say to you, I'm a little upset that the, my first experience in there, I didn't know you were a crowd pumper upper, but you get in there and you're like, kind of, you're about to get into it. And then you pump the crowd up and I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> Cause I've got to hit right after this. And I haven't hit in, in the arena and this place is going nuts. It's like death Valley and tiger stadium at LSU. And, and now I got to hit a golf shot, but you, you've always kind of talked about that arena and just like how, how you've embraced it a little differently than everybody else. Yeah. It's a, it's just a fun place. I mean, growing up in the, the action sports world and, and riding and racing, um, you know, going and watching buddies, you know, 
race on the weekends and at Supercross, which is in a stadium, obviously a lot bigger than the stadium of the 16th hole, but um, kind of has a, a similar vibe and, you know, the crowds hang in. It's kind of, it's hectic in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and for me, I always found that at least getting them to make noise, yell, whatever it may be, at least the noise was constant. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of adjust to whatever that noise level is versus the when they try and get them quiet, there's still people yelling, having loud conversation, drinks being made. So it's, yeah, it almost becomes like a loud white noise when everyone's, you know, yelling and cheering. Um, step back, kind of take a second or a few seconds, take a deep breath, <laughs> realize like, okay, here's here's our new normal you know, quiet, or at least this, this noise yeah. is constant versus, you know, like I said, you could have someone that happens to try and yell when you're going to hit or whatever it may be. Yeah. The best advice you gave me in there was if you're in between clubs, hit the, hit the shorter one and hit it harder. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't try and hit a little soft shot in there. It's just not the right idea. You don't want to get booed and you definitely don't want to hit it in any of the bunkers around that hole. Cause you just need to get on the green. And then if you make a birdie, great. If not, just go to the next one. <laughs> they, I feel like they've gotten even tougher over the years where even if you hit it on the, you know, hit it to the middle of the green to like one of the back pins and you know, your third is a hard shot back there. It is. It's especially if you get it where it's into or in off the left. Um, yeah, they'll, guys, they'll boo you. It's, guys it's, were hitting it's, seven irons this year to that back mm-hmm. pin. It was yeah, back it was into the breeze. And, yeah, windy. Ooh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a difficult shot, Rick. Um, you know, you've always had such great fan support. And it's crazy when you when I played with you. It was just insane. Um, when you turned pro, did you envision what your brand was going to look like? Or did it kind of happen organically? No, it all just happened. I mean... Me, I mean, so I chose to, to sign with Puma. I, we thought it was a, a great fit. Not many people were wearing it. Um, you know, being able to wear some colors and louder stuff, I was fully for it. A lot of the stuff was my idea as far as like wearing head to toe orange or, you know, other colors, whatever it may be. And a lot of that comes from, you know, growing up riding in the motor or the action sports background. Um, you know, a lot of riding gear is, is bright and colorful and, um, it's just a fun way to, I guess, show off kind of some of your, who you are and personality and stuff. Um, so that was kind of one of the reasons that I just, I liked doing that. Um, yeah, it wasn't planned out like, Hey, we're going to do this. It's going to make people like us or anything like that. It was just, I'm going to do this cause I like it. Um, you never know if you're going to have fans or not. And yeah, I mean, like I said, nothing was, was ever planned out. It yeah, just, just, it just came with it. Yeah. It's so recognizable your brand uh, across, not just golf, but across all sports, everybody kind of recognizes your all orange look. And I'm curious, when was the first time you saw a grown man uh, wearing all orange at one of your tournaments watching you? <laughs> I don't remember the, the exact first time, but um, that had to be just Sunday, like what in the world? <laughs> yeah, every every Sunday there's at least one, um, and it's it's cool to see because it's like you gotta in a way throw the the thought or worry of like people 
thinking like, what are you wearing? Like you look, you know, I don't know, you look dumb or whatever it may be. It's more <laughs> about just owning it, being yourself. Like, I don't care, you know, what other people think, like I'm going to wear this. Um, and that was kind of my side of it was like, yeah, I know this is different. Um, I want to do it. I don't want to necessarily be like everyone else. I want to just have fun, play golf. Um, and yeah, it was just a way of being different. So when, when I see people do it, whether it's a grown man, kids, uh, I think it's great because it's just like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be me. Um, and I'm going to rock it. There's a picture I took this year in Jacksonville with the players where it's, this happens a lot. It's almost like, you know, when you go to Disney world and a big group all wears the same t-shirt so everybody cannot get lost and they can keep up with everybody. It was a group of guys of probably about 15 to 20 of them. They were all wearing um, the same shirt and then the same orange Puma hat. And I took a picture of them all in 18 and there's probably 20 or 30 of them. I'm like, what in the world, man? If that was like my hat or look and that's their, it's like the Ricky identifier, but it was for them to not get lost as well. So you're, you're also helping the the people out there. Uh, you don't even realize that. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, it's, uh, there's, there's plenty of functions to, to wearing orange or other colors, <laughs> you know, Hey, whatever works, man. So there, there is like, I experienced downsides to, um, social media and, partnering with companies and having to post stuff on social media when you're struggling. And it's so difficult. I've, I struggled with it. And the fact that, you know, you have these great partnerships and you know, you can put out great stuff and it's good for them. It's good for you. Um, and you've got so many great partners and you've been involved in so many commercials. And during the time when you were struggling, was that something that like ever bothered you too much or were you able to kind of look past uh just the idea of like hey you need to go practice when it's 9 30 at night it's like people don't realize your commitment to that side of of the business for you and you've done an unbelievable job with it but i'm curious how you were able to handle that during that time period yeah it's i'd say it's always been tough but um you know more so when you're when you're not playing well or struggling um and you just have to realize like people, unless they've been in a similar position or, you know, done what we've done, um, they really just don't get it and don't understand. Um, so yeah, it is tough. Um, but when you have, you know, great partnerships and, you know, companies that want to, you know, basically collaborate and work together and whether it's commercials or, you know, endorsing a product. Um, I've always tried to keep those organic as well. Um, you know, have the same vision, whether it's the charities that they're involved in, what they're trying to do to make a difference, or, you know, if it's a product, something that I actually use, um, you know, I don't want something to be fake, but yeah, you always have the, the haters on social media. I think there's there's so many good things that come along with social media and the access for people to, to see stuff and, and, you know, content that we're able to put out. Um, but you're always going to have the other side of it. Um, so there's always a give and take, but like I said, I think the big thing is, yeah, people really just don't get it. The, no, 
and you can try and explain it and stuff, but the partnerships and stuff that's, you know, it comes with the territory, you know, you play well, there's going to be more opportunities out there. You struggle, the opportunities start to go away, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're still with, you know, companies or whatever it may be. And, you know, there's either obligation to put stuff out or you still want to push a product because you believe in it. Um, and then you get people, like you said that, Hey, you're playing terrible. You should go practice. You should go do more of this. Um, I'm going to go give that guy a swirly, man, whoever that yeah, it'd is. Be like, it'd be like the same of like me just continuing to post pictures of hanging with Maya and I'm playing bad. It's like, hey, you need to spend less time with your family. You need to go oh, practice. You're playing bad. It doesn't make any sense uh, how people can type stuff like that and not have any wherewithal of like what the real world is actually like and what being a professional golfer is actually like. And nobody has handled it all as gracefully as you and as we kind of get into the rest of this year, um, you know, eight top tens, man, like just an incredible year. And definitely with that win at rock and mortgage, but back to the WM Phoenix open real quick, you hit one on seven this year on that par three out of 10. Um, you made a hole in one there. Was that a 10 out of 10 as far as, was it a six iron that you had to like a front right pin? Yeah. Um, it was, it was majestic. It was, I can't remember the exact number, but the ball goes a little further out there. It had to have been around 215 or something hole was my guess. But um, yeah, I just teed it up a little bit, was going to hit it straight up in the air. Uh, I hit a hit a really good shot the day before to the back left pin. I hit it, it was the tee was up a little bit, hit seven iron, very similar shot, and just tried to do the same thing with a six. Um, but I would have to say 10 out of 10 because I hit it out of the center. I hit it straight up in the air, never left the stick and then went in. So I don't know what else you could ask. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty dang good. That's kind of right. When, uh, when I was especially just watching your golf swing, because how it's kind of evolved, um, that swing in general, I remember taking a video of it and then kind of played it in slow-mo. I was like, geez, that looked really damn good. And, uh, I don't know if, that's kind of around the time where you started gaining some confidence and um, it, it had started back in the fall, but still, man, you, you were really swinging it well on that West coast. And then obviously it kept going from there. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I mean, the biggest step was when I got a little time to to talk with Butch and start working on some stuff before Napa. And I went out to Napa feeling, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but, I didn't feel comfortable with where the swing was and how it felt because it was pretty foreign and new. Mm-hmm. And I just went there and continued to trust and exaggerate as much as I could while actually playing. It's one thing to exa- what you can do and exaggerate on the range, but when you're actually out on the course, it's, it's a little harder to exaggerate. So that week seeing the shots I was able to produce, uh, how tight the lines were. Yeah. It's and, a narrow and I, place. That gave, yeah, it's, it's not very wide. There's a few holes that are, you have plenty of room, but there's uh you got to keep it in play there. So I think that was obviously the first big step was seeing kind of some results and feedback to mentally help myself kind of build some confidence, momentum. And then, you know, went from there, um, didn't play great in Vegas, but ended up, you know, in the final group and finishing second in Japan. That was the start. And that gave me, something to 
go into the our little off season to work on continue to grind and that's what put me in the position to you know go to the west coast and then move from there has it been the same stuff the whole time that y'all worked on yeah for the most part um you know some different feels here or there but uh ultimately cleaning up the takeaway to that kind of first parallel and then getting which way was it which way was it getting uh, well, my tendency is the club gets outside the hands. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's hard to keep the club out in front of you and ultimately having a good position at the top. A lot of times for me, it would be outside and then tip over as far as getting laid off. Yeah. So, so it just felt behind, like you just felt, always felt a little stuck from there or you're just playing catch up. Yeah, it was, I would say that that area is what felt in a way comfortable because that's where I was always at. Um, so getting into a steeper left arm plane and the club being closer to, you know, down the line at the top, you know, that felt very up and across the line. Um, Interesting. I had to feel like at when I got to that first parallel that if I was holding a steering wheel, my normal would be this way. I had to feel that way. Wow, that's tough to take to Napa. A, a, a very, it's a narrow golf course, man. I felt like this at the top, and I can't. What did you feel like on the twelfth tee uh, at Napa with that feel? Let's see which one's twelve. It's a little short par four, but like literally out of bounds is right there on the right. Yeah, those those ones with any hazards or OB close by, <laughs> it was just like, okay, you're gonna trust this you're aiming here, hitting this shot. It's going to feel like I'm trying to take it back and we're going like way out. Right. But we're just going to trust this and just swing and let it go. That's hard to do. I'd say what I got pretty good at identifying where the white soldiers were on the golf course. Those, those little white OB sticks. I got pretty good at always seeing those like, Oh God, yeah, there they are. <laughs> you usually weren't aiming there and working it away from it. You usually aim away from the white soldiers and it usually doesn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, those are the, uh, see you laters. <laughs> I'll say to, uh, when I saw you at JT's wedding, um, you know, after you, you just mentioned, uh, you know, playing, playing well at Napa, playing well at Zozo, you knew you're right there, um, as well to, to come down the stretch. I wasn't up to watch it. I don't think hardly anybody was, but it was so sick for you to finish T2. But in my conversations with you at J- JT's wedding, um, and I talked about this on Monday on the pod. I just felt like I knew you were going to have a big year, but I sensed from you that you knew you were going to have a big year as well. Um, can you just talk about how talent never leaves you and confidence can be that close to coming back, even though it can feel so far away, um, like this golf game can sometimes make you feel? Yeah, I mean, those were between Napa and Zozo. Those were the the two big weeks that, like I said, got me ready for the main part of the season and starting in the the calendar year. Um, it, Zozo really came down to um, fifteen and sixteen. I missed a couple short putts, one for par, one for birdie. Um, hit what I thought were pretty good putts, and they just did something a little bit different. Um, and Keegan made a couple big putts coming in and. He won and I finished second. So um, a lot of times it comes down to, you know, yeah. one, thing, one putt, and especially when there's a few guys in the mix. And those just gave me confidence to to reassure me that the stuff that, you know, I was working on 
was the right stuff. I was seeing a lot of shots that I was able to hit that I wasn't able to in the last few years. And to be able to take that and and have some time through the winter to to work on stuff, to play um, and get ready for that West Coast. Um, it was the first time where I was able to really kind of build momentum, build some confidence and, and feel really good that things were, you know, moving forward and we're going to continue to do that. I was with you for a good amount of that time at the U.S. Open and mm-hmm. I was on your round Friday and Sunday, but Thursday, you know, you get it going. It was great scoring conditions. You shoot a U.S. Open record 62 and I'm back there behind the green with Allison. And all you have to do is two putt to get that record. And I looked over at Allison. I was like, he just needs to two putt. And he shoots the lowest round in U.S. Open history. And she was like, what? <laughs> I don't know if she told you that. But man, like, talk to me about that Thursday round. Well, it was just one of those days where everything was kind of working fairly well. Just kind of made sure I got off to a, a decent start. Sometimes going in the first round of a major, you're not sure how the bounces are going to go. And, you know, if you're going to hit your lines and numbers and made a lot of good swings early, um, you know, made the turn and was in a good spot and just kept going. Um, Heck yeah, you did. You made a ton of birdies Friday too. Yeah. Um, made them all week. Over the week. I mean, really <laughs> Sunday was the, the day we didn't really, I mean, we didn't make much cause didn't hit irons very close and didn't make any putts. Um, but other than that, I mean, the first three days were, were some solid golf. Um, but that first day, yeah, it was, I didn't see many leaderboards, uh, cause they didn't have a bunch on the front nine and that's, I finished on the front. And I remember getting up to, you know, nine, nine green, our last hole and seeing that Xander was at seven, I was at eight. And it was just cool to see that, you know, it's fine. Cause I talked to him afterwards and he saw that he would make a birdie and he was still second, making other birdies still second. He's like, shoot someone's out there. And then he finally saw it was me. So it's fun when you can, you know, push each other along. Um, so yeah, I'm obviously stoked to two potted post at 62. Um, I couldn't remember as far as US Open went. I knew Johnny Miller had the 63, but like, I think Gracie shot 62 at one point. Um, and I couldn't remember exactly what the number was. Um, so I was just trying to get in the house as, as low as I could. Yeah, you, you did that. And, Got to watch you on Friday. Got to uh, pretty much be on your group that entire day, and it was really, really fun for me to 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 call your shots that day in the U.S. Open setting. Considering the year before you were an alternate, didn't get in, and this year of of run you've been on, it's been incredible. But I want to go to Sunday, and you know you're in that final group. Uh, where were your emotions like that? Kind of going into that day, did you feel good, or was it just kind of tough? to get it it's to, from my perspective it was looked like it was tough to get it going and then you finally caught a little wind around like closer to to the end of the back uh, front nine excuse me yeah i felt really good all week um i actually felt like more anxious or antsy um going into sunday's round in detroit at rocket wow. uh, i felt very good about the golf course in la um I felt really comfortable around there. I'd been hitting, you know, irons really well. I drove it, you know, plenty good enough throughout the whole week to to give myself those chances to mm-hmm. take advantage of the irons and and made plenty of putts. And 
got to Sunday and, you know, Butch mentioned afterwards, you know, timing and stuff just got a little off and a little out of rhythm, but irons just weren't as tight um, and really didn't make many putts. So it was, it was just harder to take advantage of some opportunities. Um, I remember like second hole, drove it down the middle, had seven mm-hmm. iron in and was trying to win his pin back there. Yeah, it's tough old tough pin, but I was trying to hit kind of like a straight seven iron in the middle of the green. Wind was off the left and kind of just let it drift a little bit. And I tugged it a little bit. Didn't think it would actually get through. Ends up going through the back. And you That's have no man's land there too. Impossible up and down. So, you know, situations like that where, you know, days prior I was hitting my spots, hitting my numbers a lot better you know, making par there, going to the next, I hit one close, missed, um, and just didn't really get that momentum going early in the round. So um, just was kind of fighting it most of the day. Like you said, I, I did have some some good ones here and there. Um, I feel like that iron like, shot you hit on 11, man, was if that covers that bunker and it gets inside of five feet and you make birdie, I felt like you're right into the golf tournament because it was a you were in between clubs. It was the wind was going back and forth. You and Ricky Romano sat on that tee for 10 minutes and I'm sitting there watching and I knew it was a four iron you hit. Was that what the club you hit? Yeah, it was four. So it, I hit it great. And it literally, if it drifted another yard, but. maybe two, it covers there. Um, and I was trying to finish it left of that bunker and it just stayed right on it. Um yeah, it's just a, it's a fine line. And that's crazy, too, because, you know, eight, it's when Wyndham kind of was whiffing it over there and the the weeds left of the green. You hit it on the green until you two putt make birdie nine. You had a really good look for birdie and Wyndham looked like he was making bogey again at nine. Um, and then you get to 11 and you hit that iron shot. I'm thinking, wow, that gets inside of a foot. Um, you hit a great bunker shot. For whatever reason, I saw a lot of people missing short putts on that 11th green. I don't know for what reason, but you weren't the only person to miss a putt there from inside of six, seven feet. Like I, I saw but- it, it looked it looked and felt very straight, um, like it had a little left tendency, but it felt like if you started it on the right edge that it wouldn't move. And I, I felt like I had to start it inside the hole and I hit a good putt. And there was just more slope in the middle and end section of it. Um, so like hit a good yeah, that was kind of that to me felt like the tournament when Wyndham hit that incredible flop shot and then he hits driver on the next hole in the middle of the fairway to have like 80 yards and he didn't hit it very close on that wedge shot, but still that that little stretch of the golf course was like, man, he just it, that's the fine line in win, winning major championships is literally a yard or two one way or another, kind of like you're talking about um, it, what it takes to win. And uh, the next week you say you at rock and mortgage, I'm curious. So why, why the ants in the, uh, before that round, was it the rain that kind of felt that way? Uh, no, I mean, so we, we had travelers the week after and I was a little, I was a ways back at Keegan, you know, it was more like, you know, I don't know if beating him that week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was, I played really well. Um, Saturday shot 60 to get, you know, back in the tournament a little bit, knew it was going to take a low one and and played well, just didn't get anything going again. So coming off those two weeks, um, 
I knew I was in a really good spot, obviously now being in, in the lead at, at rocket. Um, I was, I still felt good all week. Um, you know, other than Friday, it was a little, felt a little off, but was still managed to hit some good iron shots and post a good score. But yeah, for some reason, Sunday, just a little antsy, a little anxious, um, just needed to get myself settled down. Um, at least it was a morning tea time. You had to wait around all day. You just get yeah. up and go. <laughs> it was, and that was all more that just kind of started on the range and um, just was feeling it a little bit in a, in a good way too. That's why mm-hmm. you want to be in those situations. So um, yeah. So big thing, just talk to um, Brett guy that I've done some stuff on the mental side with. I was able to touch base with him when I was hitting some putts before going to the tee. Oh, nice. Hey, what, anything he told you that was just like, that kind of calmed you down or no? Um, it was, I have to look back. I don't remember as much now, but I mean, I, I was playing stuff through my head throughout the, the round. Um, but I think a, a big part for me was just trusting, Hey, we've been playing really good golf. Um, there's been a lot of good finishes, just have to, you know, stay kind of in my rhythm, not get quick. And that was coming from, you know, us open and talking with Butch. Um, but I think a lot of it was just, Hey, we've been playing really well. Just, just let it go. Trust it. Don't, don't try and put the hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. Go play golf. Well, you did that on 18, man, like to hit that drive you did. That's, I mean, that's not the easiest, probably the most difficult drive on the golf course is that drive on 18 and you're able to challenge that left side, giving yourself a great angle. And you never looked like you were pushing too hard, even though you need you, even though you needed a birdie it, it to me, you looked relaxed and calm by the end of the day. Yeah. It was a kind of a bummer going back to some of the kind of weeks prior, like I had those opportunities on the back nine to give myself cushion. Um, You know, I hit two great shots with the drive and then five wood on the 14, Um, you know, missed a four footer or so, you know, being on, felt like I hit a good putt. That's just Poe. You know, Adam makes one in front of me on the next and I miss Collins playing well up in front of us and just kind of lost a little bit of that momentum and and don't make 30 on 17. Yeah. Now my back's against the wall. Um, I had played 18 well all week. Obviously I hit it. I hit that a little left of where I wanted to. Um, hey, we'll take it. Yeah. It was it, probably nice. Cause the balls were really spinning on that yeah, green so a ton. So the first cut was all, probably great. Was in the first cut. I wasn't definitely wasn't mad about it. It was more, you know, we had a little bit of help. I just had to make sure that, guessed right or judged the jumper properly so we had oh it jumped so how far were you yeah we had 147 hole i was trying to hit a wedge like 135 oh nice so you just kind of hit with a little three-quarter one and it just brought the flight down a little bit uh no it was still up there it was actually in the air a lot it looked oh, like a, a little even nicer. better um <laughs> i wasn't sure i was kind of just sitting there like <laughs> waiting for it's... it to come down and just hoping it doesn't just don't wait. Yeah. Don't land in the hospitality tent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously it came out perfect, but I mean, you talk about the the good angle from there. I mean, way over right's not a bad angle as well as you saw in the playoff. <laughs> well, was that a jumper over there too? You ought to judge. 
a little bit. It was, it was, uh, I got, I got dropped from, um, some casual water and then where I was dropping was still, as you know, did that help again, getting to be able to drop? Uh, yes and no. I mean, obviously I wasn't going to play it from standing water. It was like literally standing water. Um, but as you know, when you've taken relief from casual water, the area around it is still wet. Right. Um, so when I dropped my ball, I could hear it just, and then it had like water on it and stuff, but it was trampled down. So big thing to me, I was just, I had a good number. It was 190 hole. Um, you were 190. Yeah, I had seven iron. Um, Jeez, I was thinking you had like a nine iron from over there. What a shot. So I was, and since you've obviously played and been in, around some wet or watery conditions, I was just thinking, don't hit it fat. <laughs> so you but hit it, you hit it pure and, it, and immediately it when it takes off, are you thinking into yourself, this is perfect? I knew it had a really good chance because it came out low, kind of driving and knuckly. And you knew um, it wasn't long. No, I didn't think it would fly too far because of how low the flight was. Um, it was just depending on kind of where it hit and how it reacted. Um, and yeah, both were perfect. And Adam Hadwin's iron shot, when it landed, everyone's like, oh, wow, this is tight. And then ends up back behind you about 10 feet. And then I saw a quote from Morikawa that said his iron shot, he thought he made it uh, on the fly. Like that's how good it looked in the air. So two shots from those guys where they kind of misjudged out of the fairway. And then you got you over there in the rough who hits his little beauty from 190 with a seven iron has the best look. And then you make the putt and over the, what were you thinking over the putt? Like, did you know was, you were going to make this or was there like, what was the final thought right before you sent it away? Uh, well, I had a, I had a pretty good idea online and stuff. Adam's putt rolled. Um, he was going a little right up my marker um, and he hit it. If, if he hits it a foot softer, he makes it um, hit it a little firm. It, it went by maybe two and a half feet or so. And so I got a pretty good look on what the ball was doing. I always like seeing kind of the last few feet and kind of where, where I visualize it entering the hole. So felt like I had a pretty good idea, um, got in there and it was just like, hit a good putt. Don't like, I'm not leaving this short. We're hitting a solid putt see what happens. But at the end of the day, just hit a good putt. Yeah. And then when it was rolling up to the hole, like, did you know it was in two or three feet out or you were like, just please somehow don't do something stupid. The last like foot. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of all that, um, I didn't really see it until the last couple of feet. Um, cause it was only 12 feet or so. So hit the putt. And by the time I look up, it's already halfway. Adam's putt didn't move as much right as you would think or what visual like up there because there's a lot of slope but with where we were coming from under the hole you're kind of going more back up the hill and so looking at it like i said i only see it for a split second there at the end i was like it looks good but it's po you know you can catch that <laughs> anything can brand, happen <laughs> it can bump. his putt held it should be good and then went in the right center and that was just kind of the the huge relief yeah, well, you did. I mean, the iconic picture of you just kind of staring up at the sky. What was the first thought you that entered your mind? I think it was just a, like I said, relief. Um, yeah, there's a no planned celebration or anything like that. It was just like, thank you. It's finally over. Yeah, man, that's, I was, uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but there was a, I don't know 
it's this guy and he's it's got a his caption says like i don't know why i'm crying in the club right now and that was me i was just like so emotional i was i was dying laughing i'll have to send you the the uh picture but man you you uh what you what you uh what you have to drink on that night after that celebration i've, I've kind of heard but i, I think everybody else would be kind of interested uh so simon a, a good friend of ours who also comes out and and does some chefing for us and cooks for us every once in a while on the road um they didn't have anything really going on on Sunday. And he asked his kids and wife if they wanted to drive up to Detroit and watch me play. So they hopped in the car, drove eight hours through the night, slept a couple hours, and then they were there for the whole final round. Um, wow. Just so happened that he brought a bottle of Happy 10 with him. And uh, so after a one, he went and got it from the car and a uh, handful of us had a little pour of some some ten year pappy. Um, Let's go. There was about a third of the bottle left because, like I said, we all just had one, but there was a handful of us, so the bottle goes fairly quickly. But uh, and then Derek, my trainer, my myself, we you know had maybe two each on the plane to to finish off the bottle. So uh, that was Simon. Simon mentioned Derek before he left. He said, you, you boys go ahead and put Pappy to bed tonight. <laughs> I'm sure you slept good. Actually, I don't know. Did you sleep at all that night? Uh, it was pretty hectic. But yeah, once we got home, I, so still till now, I haven't um, really had much to drink or been able to really celebrate much. I mean, right. JT and Bill were over yesterday. I had a couple long drinks on the 4th. Mm -hmm. um, little side project beer. but. No, I haven't uh, haven't gone crazy. So, like the couple of bourbons on Sunday was was a great way to kind of just a little toast to it, right? Uh, but traveling with a a little human changes things, absolutely. Uh, and you, you know, put a ton of golf like in the last month too, man. Like you haven't had any break. Yeah. So, I mean, we got home. Obviously, had to get all her stuff together, bath, and get her down. And then by that time you know, then unpack the car, get everything in the house, get that kind of sorted, shut down and, and go to bed. So there, what really wasn't, you know, it was more about the, our normal routine and just getting settled first. Um, but like you said, yeah, we've been, been playing a lot, played, um, well, missed the cut at the PGA, but that's still a, a week on the road. Went from there to colonial to Memorial came home for five days. Then we went to the U S open travelers detroit i guess basically home for three days right now and then leaving tonight for for london so that'll be a, london's gonna be the the little bit of celebration with with us being around and, and hanging out um wimbledon and then scottish and, and british so that that's a 10-week stretch and of those 10 weeks we'll have played eight of them and we'll have been home eight days Man, that's it's a lot of travel, and uh, that's actually good advice I got from um, uh, a player on tour. It's like when you're playing good, just keep playing. <laughs> it's and when you're playing bad, take some time off and work on it. So you're you're obviously riding it, but um, you know where we started as friends. You know you you were single, and then Allison, uh, you met her, and eventually get married to her, and now you have Maya. 
Uh, same with uh, you know, Francie's always been around since since you've known me, and and we're both girl dads now. And I'm kind of curious, what's your what is your favorite thing to do with Maya? Wow, there's so much. It's it's I'm looking forward to it for you because it just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> um, you know, whether it's you know she's liking playing in the pool right now, like throwing her around and doing different stuff. Um, every once in a while she'll she likes to hit a few balls. So like she'll come oh, wow. stand between my legs and, you know, I help hold it a club and, you know, hit the ball a few yards. Yeah. It's, all, of it. all of it. All of it. Well, she, uh, is there anything who, who likes avocados more? You or Maya? Maya. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love guacamole. I don't necessarily put avocado on a, on a bunch of stuff, but, um, two of her favorites, avocado and sweet potato. Yeah, Anna Carter just uh we just fed her for the first time uh real food, sweet potatoes last week and avocados this week. And she's she's all in, but the diapers have started to kind of change a little bit. <laughs> That's part of it. That's part of it. But man, uh I, I, I'll leave you with this. You know, I I think this was at Palmetto Bluff on our spring break trip. We went we went out to dinner one night. Um, you ended up picking up the tab somehow. I don't know how you did it, but sneaky. You, what you said, what you said to us after though, was, um, I kind of sobered up in that moment. You were like, you know, you can't really beat times like this spending with quality friends. Um, you know, just those moments that you'll never forget. Yeah. Those, I would say those, those moments or those times, it's, it's just super rare with everything that we all do and, and being able to actually all be on vacation at the same time, all the kids, dogs, um, it's they're just rare so you have to take advantage and cherish those those times so i mean we're gonna do it more and there's gonna be plenty down the road but it's not like they happen you know it's not even every year um this this last one you know like you said at palmetto bluff that's been a couple years in the making Mm -hmm. well we had a dang good time and i'm a a huge ricky fan a huge uh, allison fan and maya fan and uh, we always are looking and hoping for the best for you guys. And I will see you at the Scottish open and the open championship where, uh, I'm uh, hoping to call some more of your great golf, man. Uh, safe travels over to London and thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. You got it. We'll, uh, boom tower. we'll be sure to <laughs> share maybe a couple pints over the pond. Yeah. Boom tower. Boom tower. <laughs> see you buddy. See you. So great catching up with a good buddy of mine and can't wait to have some pints across the pond with Rick and the rest of the Spring Break boys. We'll be back here on Monday with a John Deere recap and look ahead at the Scottish Open. Thanks for listening and see you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.